Seahawks fans to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Jadavian Clowney to my Quentin Jefferson. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, feeling uh, out of control, but in a good way. Our very own Brandon Jackson. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Uh, I'd rather be David Moore. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I I, uh, I workshopped a, a wide receiver based intro and uh, and I was like Eric you're gonna be David Moore and he's like I don't want to be David Moore and I was like well we could do defensive linemen and you you could be Brandon Jackson he's like can I be David Morgan yeah <laughs> and the answer is no like no. like every good parent knows once you've ta- once you've taken the good option off the table you don't get it back you know I miss the old days shouldn't of have said coming no. here on a Monday morning and recording because none of us were working because it was winter break but now. I'm Brandon Jackson. All right, here let's, we are. Let's start with the Seahawks defense because I think it was the easily the most interesting thing from a from a like a scheme tape watching uh, really perspective. You know, it turns out uh, that when we have our really good safety, our defense plays good. Okay, so let's talk about the shape of the Seahawks defense in general because I think that that's an important first point you made, Kevin. Triangle. So yes, instead of playing, we played a lot of single high safety in this game which is something that in this season we have not seen the Seahawks do very much, and that's because it's difficult to do that when your when you're, uh, you know, single high safety is Brad McDougald, who is, let's be honest, not a single high safety. He's good. Uh, and Brad killed it in the box yeah, in this game. That's an important game. thing. Uh, so, and so Brad played 22 snaps in the box. He played 14 snaps as the slot corner, which means he was in the box. <laughs> he played seven as a wide corner. Which, which means he was in the box. Okay, I, I don't know how many way, different ways I can tell you this. He played. He lined up uh, 15 times as a linebacker uh, in, in, the a, box. in a technical linebacker position. That's also a. Those are. Bo- he play, So he at high safety. Uh, free he had safety, a pressure and six. eight run stops. He played six high safety snaps in the game of his 67 snaps. So that that the shape of the defense was completely different in this game and it, that's the difference having a guy that Pete Carroll trusts to go back there and and you know be the be the single high safety like Quandre Diggs did and it changed the shape of the defense and it really honestly made this defense a lot better even though the pass rush was still not what we want it to be the pass yeah. rush is weird our pressure numbers look great until you realize that it was super inconsistent right it's like 25 pressures but but it, a bunch of them came on the same play together. It right. was it was very much feast or famine, and it, and it was like inconsistent. Like there was plays where they had all day to throw, and it, and but the thing is, these guys came out and covered, and in the in the yes, Hugo Amadi had fourteen snaps. Marquise Blair had eight snaps for Big Nickel. So we had twenty. Oh, Hugo Amadi was so good. Twenty two snaps with the extra defensive back on the field. And I thought Blair looked actually pretty decent too in his uh, his role that they were asking him to play. Yeah, he looked decent. He just didn't get a lot of chance to show off. Hugo Amadi. Uh, had really tight coverage on a outbreaking route yeah. um, early on that just looked really good, and then he was able to shut down another route with basically no yak on a three yard gain. Um, in general, his coverage was really really tight, and I know it's not against um, a great receiving threat at this point in time, but nonetheless, like he put together some really good snaps. And the, th- the fact that once again it's Quandre Diggs that unlocks the ability for us to play the, these different formations and put extra defensive backs in the field and all these things that normally the Seahawks, Seahawks are not doing are now options that are available to them and it, it's all unlocked by the fact that we have a single high safety that we actually trust and so the, the shape of the defense I think look it was totally different and it, it made a big difference they only had 177 total yards passing and the defense looked really really good and I was very pleased I was very pleased with with how the defense looked um 
So, uh, Kevin, other than Ugo Amadi, did anyone else really stand out for you? Uh, I thought Cody Barton played a pretty good game. Um, he was solid in coverage. He was in on a couple of run stops, got a sack. He was filling in for Michael Kendricks, and he went out there and played a decent game against a team that plays a lot of two tight end sets. I thought that was a pretty nice thing. All right. I am going to call out Bradley McDougal, who made a living in the box and had a staggering eight run stops in this game. Uh, on 10 tackles, which is just uh, insane. It's an insane performance. It's a really good performance. I mean, he did get targeted six times and gave up six receptions. That's that's tough, and he did have two penalties. But but he made up for it more than that by really shutting, being a big part of how we shut down their their run game. And I thought that that was huge, huge, huge. And it's I think it's a like I, like I said, it's a turning point for this defense if they can keep these guys on the field and play it in this way. Eric, was there any defensive players that kind of stood out? I was going to say Brad is really versatile, but that's not really where his, you know, his bread and butter is made. So for him to step in there and make some good stops, it shows that he would be a little inconsistent with the penalties and giving up catches. But uh, I'd rather have a guy that we can plug and play and, and do very well than being a liability or having him somewhere and watching a liability at nickel corner that we've had all year. And I want, we'll say one thing that was very satisfying for me was the, the, after he made the bad penalty, the very next play he got a sack and I was like, yeah, that's my guy <laughs> there. Like that was the very next play where he came in and just, he just crashed in and got a sack. It was awesome. So I, I, I love, I'm, you know, I'm a big Brad Stan and I, it's nice to see him get to play to his strengths again, as opposed to, you know, having to do his best at a position that maybe he's not the, the, that's not the best use of his talents. Yeah, and he, the thing I love about this game on the defensive side is just the well-roundedness of the defense. Uh, maybe not consistent pass rush, but decent in the numbers category. Linebackers played well. KJ and Bobby with some really good stops out there. Quandre Diggs being a really a nice anchor. That's something that we haven't really thought about. We have an anchor on the defense. Uh, I guess you could say it would be Bobby Wagner, but that's almost like the old veteran. I want someone on the back who's going to be covering everything, who's going to be able to see the entire field in front of them, see everything unfold and kind of make a difference that way, and that's Quandra Diggs. This is an important thing to have a playoff game on the road to give up two field goals, not letting a team in the end zone. And I know that they had one of the 50 McCown brothers playing quarterback. I know that they uh, had a lot of injuries in Philadelphia, really no uh, wide receivers out there. It doesn't matter. They still had plays. They still had guys that could catch the ball. We had a lot of good defensive plays, breakups. It's a really important game. Yeah, it's a, it's a confidence builder for the defense, too. Just the, the way that they know they can go out there. They know they have these different looks they can throw at, at teams that might have different, you know, try to throw different looks at them. They can come out. They could play too high and put the big nickel out there with Marquise and and uh and Quandre they can go single high play Quandre drag Brad down into the box or the slot they can have Ugo out there to cover these uh difficult slot receivers just an overall I mean the the biggest thing I'm looking for this weekend is can can they continue to cover as long as they did because that was that's the biggest thing that scares me is that they were asked to cover for a pretty long time and uh if they can hold up against you know Aaron Rodgers as well that would be fan fantastic stuff Right, so that's that's the thing I'm looking for. Uh, moving on, any anything else you guys want to hit? Um, uh, yeah, real quick. Uh, JRB think... asked about Rasheem Green, and sure. figured we could take a quick gander at him. So uh, Rasheem Green had a very full box score, uh, four pressures. He was in on a sack. Um, he had a couple of run stops. I would say 
Rasheem Green's a player where I didn't notice anything in a bad way, but I also didn't really notice anything in a good way. Would you guys say the same? I would, if I had to describe his game tape from this game, because I looked after I saw that tweet, I would say nondescript. It was just nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, he's really sure tackler. He had two good, two really good plays. Um, one one run stop that I thought was pretty excellent. And I mean, one thing is is that he only got out there for 28 snaps, so I don't know what that usage rate is going to look like. Um, I think that the snaps they are using on Ansa and Jackson are largely wasted at this point, but they especially Ansa. Yeah, Ansa. I mean, he had three run, three pressures in this game, but he just looks washed to me. And especially in the run game, he just got washed out of it, like every single run play he was on. He just gets pushed out of the way. So he was quickly. a big reason why those outside runs were going everywhere. He yeah. just was not holding up at all. I don't. I don't know if it's just age or the neck injury or what. It just doesn't seem like it's working for him. I mean, maybe we're it's pretty, the age of the neck injury. We're pretty hurt along the line, though. It's not like we have a ton of options to ju- to jump in and, and be next guy up here with Al out, and then now LJ not be able to pl- to go. Hey, if we win one more game, Al's back. Yeah, that's the thing is, with because that means Jefferson could play a few more snaps on the outside, which is fine on rundowns. Well, and then maybe we can get Quill Griffin back in there, uh, or sorry, Queen Griffin in there. We did have Quill Griffin bit. playing a little bit, but he it was limited snaps for sure. Yeah. And maybe make that happen a little bit. I, I felt like this their game plan was very based on like making sure the run doesn't beat you. They did the old, uh, you know, the the old Patriots thing where you try to take away one thing and they were like we're just not gonna let the run beat us go ahead and try to beat us Carson Wentz and these terrible wide receivers and they they couldn't they they just didn't have the the horses to go I mean it just felt like they they struggled so much with the ball and then when McCown came in it got they had like the one you know how when a backup quarterback comes in you always have that one drive where it's like really really good yeah it shows <laughs> shows the spark it's, it shows we didn't spark. have tape on this guy yeah and then and then all the and then after the first drive it just they tie everything oh yeah he's up. just not good and then he started limping and then he and then he got hurt, yeah, and it was just like way over. Um, yeah, I I thought. Yeah, but count look every bit of a forty year old quarterback out there at the end. Like it's, it's I, tough. I mean, you you hurt your hamstring and you. Sorry, headphones users, I dropped something. <laughs> you you have your your hamstring hurt and you're like a thousand years old. I'm really happy they did not give the ball to Boston Scott more. It felt like every time he touched the ball, he was a threat to do something. Yeah, it was only 4.2 yards per attempt, but on six carries, he had two runs of 10-plus yards. On the three receptions for 20, for 27, 23 yards. Yeah, that was not uh, my favorite. And, and um, it's like, one of them got shut down hard, but the I just always he always felt dangerous, and they really did not utilize him quite there. But the fact of the matter is, they were only able to complete four four passes to wide receivers. The, the wide receiver injuries definitely had a big impact on what they were doing. They also had do. zero passing attempts, more than 20 yards downfield. Yeah, just... uh, it's the other piece was um, we faced a broken team this week, and we probably should have beat them by a lot more. Let's be well, honest. Um, we'll talk about that when we get to the offense. But we left between seven and ten points on the field easily. I mean, we were probably going to score on that last drive too if if it would have if we would have needed the points. Yep. So, so the thing that really was difficult to deal with. Um, they were able to break contain on outside runs way more than you're comfortable with. It's just that's a thing that needs to be shored up uh, next week if we're going to go against Aaron Jones, who can absolutely gash us in that way if we can't tighten that up. And that's something we talked about being concerned with coming into the game. And then the other thing was their zone killer plays were just killing our zone. Like the uh, passes underneath the linebackers and safeties when they were in deep zone coverage. Um, that was where Ertz had a really big pickup. That was where Goddard did a lot of his damage. 
You're talking about uh, really decent yards after catch numbers. Uh, Dallas Goddard had um, seven catches on eight targets for 73 yards. He had 18 yards after reception. For a tight end, that's pretty big numbers. Um, Ertz had 44 yards. 15 of them were yards after catch. Like, this is not ideal. Oh. Uh, Boston Scott had 23 yards, 27 can I, yards. Can I talk about my fair play of the game, though? Yep. That jet sweep that Jadamian Clowney killed that guy, that was, <laughs> that was the best. Where he just, like, completely unblocked, and the guy, he just, like, straight up murdered that dude. I was so pleased with that. That was... Just, it was nice not to get murdered on a jet sweep, I agree. Yeah, well, no, to be the murderer instead of the murderee. Yes. That was, that, we have evolved. Um, they, <laughs> Take that, Rams. <laughs> they did. They, we did it. So... Oh, if only it was Tavon Austin on the jet sweep, that would have just been that would have been what clinched it. <gasps> Tavon Austin is sixty-seven million dollars. <laughs> he's so he's the most overpaid player in football. That's uh, true. Are we on a, ready to move to the offense? I want to hear I want to hear Kevin's tease he gave me on the way over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kevin this is an tease. overall game tease. So one thing I did notice is um, it's about officiating, but not maybe what people think. Just on the rewatch of the game, I noticed the refs were really letting a very physical game happen. There were a lot of extra hits out of bounds. There were a lot of shoves to the quarterback. There were after a lot the of shoves after the play. There, it was very interesting, like seeing people on both sides getting mugged and it not being offensive or defensive pass interference. It was uh, uh, they really let it get chippy out there. That was. Very interesting to see when they did and did not call a penalty. Um, after seeing how upset Flowers was after not after getting called on two very blatant defensive pass interferences, and I was like, "Well, why are you upset? You like literally just like laid on that guy. Of course, it's going to be a DPI." And then you watch the rest of the game, and you're like, "Oh, it's because everyone was just laying on the receivers all game. Like the only reason why it didn't matter for us was because DK Metcalf is six foot twenty. Okay, so um, any anything? Uh, okay, offense. Want to talk offense? Yes. Uh, okay, we want we gotta start with DK Metcalf, right? It's the greatest rookie performance in playoff history, and I'd be honest, it's the it cements his status as a rising star in the NFL. It's everything you want to see. He just was able to get loose against a, a what we said was you know kind of a weakened uh, Philadelphia secondary, but doesn't matter. A good player should take advantage of those things, and he definitely, definitely did. It was excellent to see um, just a, a star performance from him. Uh, 160 yard receiving, one touchdown, uh, you know, seven receptions on nine targets. Just overall, everything you want from from our from our young wide receiver, and it was it's kind of awesome to see. Maybe the maybe the torch is starting to get passed. Maybe he's the number one guy now coming into next year, right? Like the. A, a future number one wide receiver, something that I think that Seahawks fans have always felt like our wide receivers get disrespected, but it's never felt like we've had one of those guys, you know, like a Julio Jones, the big name. I mean, we can talk about how great Odell Beckham. Yeah. Doug Baldwin was great, but still people didn't really recognize him and didn't really care like his numbers in the slot. They didn't treat him the way that they should have. And I I do think Doug Baldwin was a legitimate star, but he wasn't, didn't have the national perception of that. He had to, he had to go out and ask for it when he shouldn't have had to. DK is Lockett. Lockett's (laughs) been a really good receiver for a few years now. And he's always kind of, like they still talk about him as a punt returner more sometimes. Yeah, DK is going to get that national respect though. Uh, hey, LeBron gave DK sh- a shout out. That's because That's DK's huge. as big as LeBron. It's well, uh, not quite. 
uh, he's shorter, but like otherwise, um, LeBron's like a built like a tank, dude. Have I, you seen DK Metcalf? Yeah, but I mean, like he's taller too. I don't know. The, hey, real quick, can we? I'm just bring trying up? to. I'm not trying to talk about LeBron James' body. I'm, you guys, this is a this is a this is a PG 13. <laughs> can we? We are getting okay. into uh, Larry Fitzgerald's ass territory. That's this. right. Yeah, <laughs> we are going to be dangerously, now we're talking, guys. Now dangerously we're close, guys. Uh, Tyler Lockett in this game. Uh, he had a contusion. Uh, about five weeks it's back, it's not a contusion. Four receptions on nine targets, but I look, I watched the tape to see Move if it the was sticks. Yeah, to see if it was like bad as bad as it looked, and it it's not his. It wasn't really. There's was one that I thought maybe he could have caught, but the other. F- there was four. there was that first drop of the game. It was the third play of the of the game for the Seahawks. Yeah, tough catch though, and I'm just not a hundred percent sure that. Tyler has been, has been a hundred percent this year. How about that? How about I'm that's that for, that's where my that leading question sentence? is that going. He's been healthy since about week eight or nine. I agree. That's yeah. my that's week my leading question because I don't week nine when he had thirteen receptions on eighteen targets for one hundred fifty two yards. He's touchdowns. not separating the the synergy between he and Russ are not that is not there right now. It's it's concerning because I love Tyler Lockett. And I really want to see him shine in the postseason, but I, I don't know. That, that, since that first San Francisco game, he's just been, I think, struggling to stay healthy and contribute to the team, and he's doing the best he can. This is a guy who just moves the sticks constantly. Yeah, I mean, he they, he got hurt about halfway through the season, uh, and at, at the Tampa Bay game, he has 86 receptions on the air, and only 27 of them came after the Tampa Bay game. Mm. So it, it's yeah, it's, it's just been. It's been tough, tough sledding for him lately, and I think it, it's a, it's a, it's an injury. I, to me, it seems like it's an injury thing. It doesn't seem like it's a talent thing. He did have the one really good game against Carolina, still. Where I don't think it's ever a talent thing, but I am worried about his future. I think this is another one of those cases where if we had a, a true talented third receiver, like if Josh Gordon, uh, had didn't shit together, snort everything, had a time machine, and and was Josh Gordon from four years ago, uh, or even Josh Gordon from this year, it would have taken enough pressure off that. It would maybe allow Lockett to get some rest that he needs. I think Lockett is gonna. We're gonna end the season, and he's gonna have a weird a surgery. It's gonna. It's one yeah, of those it's gonna be one of those things you find out in March, like, like to clean like things. He's doing up. a lot better after cleaning things up. Yeah, yeah. he posts. They post an Instagram photo with like him giving a thumbs up in a, in a in a hospital gown, and you're like, "What's going on?" And they're like, "Oh, just a knee thing, cleaning it up." It's the classic Pete Carroll. Yeah, and it just turned out that like they took his leg off and replaced it with a robotic <laughs> leg because uh, that's what a knee thing is. Okay. Eric, your favorite Seahawk. This why is he taller on the left your side? Fav- your favorite Seahawk in the world, Travis Homer. Yeah. Well, why? Wait, why is that? <laughs> I don't know. You just seem like you're Travis Homer super fan number one. I wasn't super fan. I was just I was a little up on this guy. I was excited to see him play. I think he could have been our third back much sooner. Um, sorry, Ferrari. Um, uh, I keep I keep seeing all these reports. The Seahawks they lose. Three running backs. They they lose Chris Carson. Then they lose their backup CJ Pro size. I'm like, what? Where are you getting your stats? Go stop. Stop with the CJ Pro size. We didn't really lose anything. I CJ mean, Pro size. Third running back yeah. most of the year. CJ hey, Pro size. He's, he's in that one commercial, that Sonia Bravia commercial, where the Notre Dame running back is running a long run. That's a that's CJ Pro size in that commercial. Really? <laughs> yeah. You 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 might not know that. Had if you're not, no uh, idea. Notre Dame football fan. Okay. Travis Homer, eleven rushes for someone tell CJ Pro size. 11 rushes for 12 yards. Marshawn Lynch, six rushes for seven yards. We got basically no. In all pro- fairness, the running game, no production. It was the, worse than it looked. Running, no production for the running backs. And so, like Kevin said, I went and watched the tape, and yeah, there was just nothing there. That that's it was tough sledding. Their defense looked awesome against the Poor run. Poor uh, Lil Joey Hunt 
Fletcher Cox. Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, Cox ate his ate lunch and dinner. I would say that that was like one of the and then best. regurgitated it into the punch. Best run defending games from a defensive tackle that I've ever seen. Scouting tape. He was so powerful. It did not. It didn't matter who he lined up against either. Kevin uh, gets over Jamarco, pushes him around. Gets over uh, over Joey, pushes him around. It did but not, I mean, he literally pushed Joey into the backfield every time they lined up. Lined him up on it was, it was it was bad sledding. And then and then Nathan Jerry did a really good job against the against the run as well. So Nathan was Jerry's just, very fast, and he was taking advantage of the way that um, the front four was pushing around. Uh, Seattle's offensive line. Yeah, and I thought overall their defense had a, a, a decent enough day against the run that kind of made up. They were they were a little deficient in coverage. I'd like okay, to bring up they something. They were a lot deficient in coverage, but they like... had a really good run stopping day. And I mean, it showed in the results. And what I love is that we just said screw it and abandoned the run. We ran. I mean, we had 21 rush attempts, but uh, four four of design rush attempts, and four of them were uh, Russell Wilson kneels. So those don't those don't count. Or three of them, sorry. So, so uh, really even on the Marshawn Lynch touchdown, eight. it was good to see DJ Fluker had to wheel him in there. Oh man, that was crazy run. That was classic yeah. beast mode where he just never gave up on the play. Oh yeah, and then DK went ahead and pulled his little rendition of it later on on that long pass extension, catches it, gets back up, Fall. just so he can run a guy over Falls and over. get the touchdown. Yeah, that was a crazy play. So yeah, I was I was um pretty happy to see that the Seahawks just say, you know what, we're not going to be able to move the ball. Uh, on the ground so let's just air it out let's throw some deep passes let's really make make it happen in a different way and i have a boy, quick theory on the that. run game um did you notice what i noticed about george fant in the run game um uh, he has a lot of trouble getting to the outside he's a rather fleet-footed tackle uh so i don't know if it's a get off or technique type thing but on those outside runs i got spoiled by seeing dwayne brown able to get out there and lead block on the edge in an exceptional level to the point where you almost don't notice how much Dwayne Brown gets out there and is blocking the first and second level simultaneously almost. And I thought on some of those toss and sweep type plays, uh, Fant's not able to get out there the same. Fant? And that really affects our runs to the edge. Fant handles certain things better than others. Um, that's all yeah, I'm and I'm saying that that's one of the when, things I noticed he had a lot of trouble with, against San and I think that's partially responsible for uh, some of our troubles in the run game. Against San Francisco, he was asked to line up one-on-one against Bosa and kind of out-athletic him. And he was really athletic. And, he was, and he's athletic, so he was really able to do it, you know. And the the thing is, in this game, he was asked to kind of like, you know, deal with power guys and, and do other things. And I just, he wasn't really... There. He had a serviceable game. I mean, it was a. He basically had a Jermaine Affetti level game, in my opinion. That, if, however, you feel about that. I guess we paid a lot less no, for him. No, because he didn't have a crappy false start penalty. Okay, but I mean. And like, I feel like he was maybe a, a about three mental errors short of a Jermaine Affetti game. Maybe. I, I'm just. I mean, do those count as not count as mental errors when he doesn't get out on a run block like that? Uh, yeah, I think that's a limitation of his ability. He's, he like, can run. We, we, he, he plays can, tight end, but I don't think that he can. He plays tight end. Yeah, but when you're when you're playing offensive when you're playing offensive line though, you have to get out. You have to set your feet a certain way, and then when you move, it's not like moving as a tight end. Yeah, I think for him, it's that whole. You know, they talk about rookies. What you're trying to do is the game's too fast for you, and you're trying to get it to slow down. I think on outside runs, the game's a little bit too fast for George Fant. Still, he doesn't quite know how to do all the things he has to do. 
He'll eventually get to his marks, but not at the speed he needs to to be as effective as a guy like Dwayne Brown, who basically does it off muscle memory. Yeah, so Pete Carroll says that Dwayne Brown, there's a chance. Oh, I want that chance. Give me that. Chance I just I want a chance. But they Smith. want him. I don't want someone else. Man, I want him healthy though. I don't want him to play half a game and then lose him for the year. You know. I agree. Yeah, I I'm afraid that he. I'm pretty sure that he he won't play. But you never know. Uh, it's it, you never know. It's it's uh, it's one of those things. Like he's he's got to decide, and the team has to decide. I thought but, uh, Hollister's another player that had a a rough game. Well, he was those penalties. To, he was asked to block a lot. And he's not. That's very, not his thing. Not very good at it. His yeah. th- he's like a um. Who's the guy that's on the Colts? The the guy who's like basically a wide receiver and tight ends. Eric Ebron. Yeah, he's Eric Ebron. He's he's at, if you are asking him to do something other than kind of run out on a on a. Uh, route, he's a big wide receiver. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely true. He could chip a guy before he runs his route, but you don't want him doing much more than that. And that's the kind of a, a problem with our roster construction right now is that we have. A couple guys who are not great run blockers. Oh, Luke Wilson's good, so bad at blocking pretty you good, guys. Pretty good pass catchers. I mean, when we when we kept him in extra to pass on uh, block on pass plays, he did fine. He's aight, I guess. But I mean, I don't really want I don't really want to have to keep an extra guy in to block on a pass play. It was just something that I think the team felt was necessary the way we were getting beat up on the inside. Yeah, that happened a couple of times. Um, but like you were saying, the big key to this game was Russ throwing deep, four for seven on twenty plus yard passes for one fifty two and a touch. Like, that's the reason we won. That's the reason. That and uh, a lot of timely running from Russ to make sure that the chains moved. Yeah. DK, the best thing out of DK is he beat different guys. He beat Devontae Maddox, beat Jalen Mills, beat Marcus S. It didn't matter who they threw at him. He just beat He beat everyone. And that David Moore catch and run was crazy. He was coming back. They threw it short of the sticks. You thought, oh, it's third and ten. They're going to pick up like four yards. And he just kind of steps out of the tackle and turns after running like almost back to the line of scrimmage. Turns (laughs) and starts running up the sideline. You're like... There, I don't see any defenders on the whole TV. Yes, yeah, speed What's going kills, on here? Yeah, especially Crevin, when the other the other guys waste. Clevin LeBlanc, LeBlanc, what he had, he had him in Clevin LeBlanc in the flat, and he basically just needed to beat one guy, which is a classic punt returner skill. Which I guess that's what David Moore is to us now. He's our punt returner. <laughs> that's exactly. Uh, so all he had to do was beat one guy, and he had open field, and he beat the one guy. And uh, that I mean that's awesome. That's good. To, it's good to see him do something like that. Um. Yeah. All right. I don't have much else to say about the offense. Russell Wilson, good. Uh, like, I also love DK's block on that David Moore play. Mm-hmm. He got out in front, lead blocked for that. David uh, Moore's a good a good run blocker too. David Moore's a pretty good run blocker. David Moore is also a guy who's um, pretty solid at turning and setting a block uh, off of a reception. Like that's a that's an interesting set of skills that we have. We're set up for a lot of interesting yards after catch opportunities. Um, one of DK's big plays was basically on like a five yard slant across the middle, and Rush just hit him, and he just legged it out past uh, whoever has him in coverage. Again, if we can get a legitimate third receiver, I am absolutely like I I am over the moon about what I think this offense can do with a legitimate third receiver. And we'll talk about it later on in the, in the coming weeks, but I I still think that's a veteran free agent. It'd be nice to get a rookie in there, but I, I don't think you can lean too much. Not everyone's going to be DK, and I know there's a big class. Yeah, and or Doug. there's a chance that Lockett is uh, is is getting getting to be a guy you don't want to you don't want to make your number one. 
Maybe he's your your number two. We got our number one already, DK. Yeah. And then that's possible. the thing, it's yeah, like having Lockett be not part a, of an ensemble as opposed to the guy. Yeah, running it'll extend different. it'll extend his career, and I think it's important. This is an all all time uh, wide receiver draft too, and tackle draft. Now that I've started scouting tackles, oh my smokes. goodness, yes, this is like an it's a pretty so sexy offensive this, tackle. This draft. can be a draft where the Seahawks can find answers at two of the positions that i think we've had a real struggle to find answers at the kind of things you could pick up as a 30 second pick in the draft right it's a we can get you know whatever tackle or whatever wide uh wide receiver drops inexplicably we just scoop that guy up just come back for somebody sec- who runs a terrible second trico. round with trade up and get another one and then I, I that's all and then a pass rusher there's really only three things i feel like this team needs and so uh can, can you get all three of those with uh third round picks you traded to you just kept trading down with. <laughs> That's a trick question, but it's also funny because uh, it's true. Legitimately, based on past history, yes. Okay, yeah, you did. <laughs> I would That's like so to. Trick. So, uh, so Eric, suck it. I have no suck it. <laughs> this is all how it works. You know it too. I mean, the, the, maybe the team feels like they already found their pass rusher in LJ, and he just hasn't been able to get on the field this year healthy. But I'm not sure. <laughs> Look at Nathan with the jokes now. Here is a funny guy. Yeah, we spent a first round there on him. We saw something there. Yeah, I know. It's that's. I didn't. The more I watched, the more I watched, the more I was like, I get. I kind of get it, but I. It's kind of a one one it's, note. It's really guy. hard to see it in seven snaps every fifth game. Okay, Robert Turbin got on the field for two snaps, Eric. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> the Patreon thread. I know that you was great. That. Yeah, it was. Um, it was perfect. He went in there, and I was like, Are they getting? Nope. Okay, that makes sense. And then in the next game, what I'm really okay. Let, let's start previewing the next game. I think yes. we're ready. Okay, next game things I'm looking for the the Marshawn Lynch Travis Homer split. I want it to be much much closer to fifty fifty. Um, I think Marshawn is ready. Uh, I think he needed to knock the rust off, but he you know he had the he had the little snag. I the, also think Homer's better on outside runs when he has fl- fresh legs. Like he needs to have that burst once he gets ground down a little bit. He loses that spring and his step that he needs. Right, but we talked and we talked about this. Is that uh, I said Marshawn Lynch can catch footballs uh, last week, and he oh, had a nice one. And he, did. he had two nice, really nice snags. That twenty yard though, that twenty yard one. Awesome. Did, you, did you hear the mic'd up for that? <laughs> no, it was it was pretty excellent, Eric. You should uh, you should dig anyone who should who likes Marshawn should dig that up. I don't even want to ruin the surprise. He had another great um, at post game interview. He they asked him like. Hey, what the, the what was slowing you down against in the run game? Like, why were those gas filling up? He was like the Eagles. <laughs> That's all he said. So it's just the most Marshawn. So he's, I, I'd he's like something right. to make everyone happy. Even the Eagles are like, I would yeah. Like the, I would like to see more Marshawn in this game, though. I think he's ready. He looks pretty good to me. Dude, there's if there's not- a time to do it, it's against Green Bay. This dude has had some big games against Green Bay in his career. Yes, and also let's let's not sleep on the. The Lefleur led uh, Green Bay defense. Oh, French coach Lefleur. French but, coach Matt Lefleur. <laughs> Baguette. But Fletcher Clock, Cox will not be a problem for us this week. I, I no, but they have Kenny Clark. They do not. Just said, Who's don't sleep on the defense. Very well, large. What I'm saying is that I think Big we have human. a better chance to get more than I, uh, 11 yards off 10 rushing attempts. I'm much I feel like, more worried about Zadarius Smith. I'm about to say, Zadarius yes. Smith on the edge is going to be a handful Zedarius, if we don't have Brown back. Low-key, Zadarius Smith was the signing of the offseason. Uh, just coming coming into Green Bay, getting 93 pressures this year, 16 finishing 16 of them off for snacks. Sacks, sorry, not snacks. Nah. And still, same difference. You might you might hear that and think, okay, well that guy that guy rushes the passer good, but he's probably trash against the run game. And you'd be wrong. Thirty six run stops still, which is a very impressive number from the edge. Zadarius Smith is a problem for any team to handle, especially one whose starting left tackle is not healthy. 
So that is the thing I'm most worried about is the Darius Smith. Kenny Clark also really good. Um, and they have good back end players. Adrian Amos, Tremont Williams, Jai Alexander. Like those yeah, are, Tremont those Williams are... playing nickel corner and Jair Alexander playing really good at outside corner. Kevin King's been a little off. And uh, their linebackers are something you can exploit. This yes. would be a great game if we can get Jacob Hollister going in the pass game. Some passes up the seam. And then if they want to switch Tremont Williams on him to stop him, then we get to put Tyler Lockett on not Tremont Williams, which right. is also and really nice. To give Just to, to double up on Kevin's point, I had this written down. Blake Martinez has been targeted 69 times this year. Nice. 58 receptions, 500 yards. He uh, 90, 90.8 pass rating against. He's, pretty, he's a pretty guy you can kind of go after. Also... You can really go after, in general, uh, their their other side of their line. So you try to figure out where Zedaria Smith and Kenny Clark is, and you run in a different direction because the other guys are, you know, Kyler Fackrell and Preston Smith, and those guys are not not on that level. And also not guys that you can really, uh, like, those are guys you can run against. Kyler Fackrell and Preston Smith are very much linebacker build. Rashawn Gary, Tyler Lancaster. Like, they have a good, decent rotation of guys, but... None of them scare you like those first two guys, the Kenny Clark and the... Really, their front seven is like budget Eagles front seven. I know, like it's like our front seven, where, I mean, I, I wish, I wish Clowney was playing Smith. as good as Zedaria Smith, <laughs> but like Clowney is our Zedaria Smith, and then they have an interior guy who's really good, like our Jaron Reed, and then they have a bunch of other guys that they rotate through that are all like okay to decent and can get hot, but maybe they are not going to play good in this game. Like, that's what happens with our defensive line, it's like... Every week, two two guys just disappear for some reason. That and you're like, why did this happen? They were good last week. Like, yeah, Quentin Jefferson just had an awesome game. Why is this game is he completely nondescript? But it's just that's the talent level of those guys. They just don't have it every single week. They're not that kind of player. And so I yeah. think their defensive line reminds me of ours a little bit. JRB had a question about Rasheem Green. Watch for him this week. Silent one week. This is a a game where you can. Uh, I would not be surprised to have him come up with two big plays in this game. He's kind of due. Okay. Uh, the other thing, their offensive tackles are really good, um, but we could attack them on the interior, especially uh, Elgin Jenkins has been really good, except he's apparently had a really rough time with the flu this week. And then their other guard is not nearly to the quality. So getting pressure up the middle, maybe the classic sneak in a couple of Bobby Wagner blitzes. Where he's so efficient on those, that could be big. And I also really worry about Aaron Jones victimizing us. If we can't fix our run stops from the last game, Jones could kill us. He could gash us all day. I'll be honest, their offensive line is really good. Yep. Just all around. It's it's a really, really talented offensive line. They don't give up hardly any sacks. Of their of the uh, 33 sacks that they've been credited this year, 11 of them went against Rodgers. Like, and Aaron Rodgers bitches so much that uh, his, ta- his tackles are allowed to hold all day. Yeah. So that's another thing that you have to deal with. They're they're they just they have really good offensive linemen. They here's some scouting things. They mostly run over the middle or to the right. They don't really run to the left at all. So we can, we can maybe load up, you know, overload that side and try to force them to do something that they don't want to do, or or just have Bobby, you know, kind of peeking over on that side because they don't they don't really run left very much at have all. Have Brad kind of shade in that way. Yeah. yeah. So, so to do something like that, that's something that I noticed watching them and, and looking at the numbers. Um, their their passing game. They they really don't have a ton of guys. It's like a it's like Devontae Adams is awesome. He's he's really effing good. But he's not super fast or anything, so I don't even worry too much but about Flowers their, covering him. Their other wide receivers are like dudes. Not, they're just dudes like Valdez Scantling, not that good. I'm not scared. Fast. 
not scared of Alan Lazard. I, I mean, I know that his he's tall. His peripheral, his numbers have been pretty good in the games he played, but he doesn't scare me at all. They've got Voltron. They've got a fast guy. They've got a tall guy, and they've got a guy who can run routes. But none of those are the same guy. Definitely don't care about Jimmy Graham or Mercedes Lewis. I'll tell you that too. Uh, man, Jimmy too Graham's soon. definitely going to drop like two passes. It's going to be great. So their best player, their best player is Aaron Jones. I think what we really need to focus on in this game is shutting down Aaron Jones. Stop the run and force Aaron Rodgers to beat you, and don't let him beat you out of the backfield either. Aaron Jones is an awesome pass catcher out of the backfield, underrated. Which like, is what I worry about. Who are we going to have on him? Because if it's a linebacker, that could be ugly. People for us. act like Aaron Jones is just a bruiser, but he has 50 catches this year for 480 yards, almost 10 yards per reception. Just really, really dangerous. Anytime he touches the ball. And then Jamal Williams, their other running back, is, is a little is a little uh, dicey too. And they, they'll move him out wide and have him play slot wide receiver just to get those guys on the field at the end of time. And I'm going to tell you something. Researching Jamal Williams, very entertaining human being in general. Very fun. Just go watch Jamal Williams' YouTube videos. You will enjoy yourself. Uh, and then you can root against him on Sunday. And then, you know. But, but I just he's in it he seems like a very enjoyable person and a solid number two running back yeah I would I would be very happy if the Seahawks ended up with him somehow that's 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 how I felt after watching Jamal Williams interviews mm-hmm. and stuff he's got a little real Rob in him he's funny dude he's funny he's weird he's really weird and I like I like weirdos I'm a weirdo okay uh you guys ready to uh to bump into predictions or is there anything else you wanted to talk about uh the only other thing I was gonna say uh when you look at all the metrics these are two really even teams. Uh, you look at grades on PFF, you look at like football outsiders, uh, Seahawks are 8th in DVOA, Green Bay's 10th, uh, Seahawks are 20th in special teams, Green Bay's 18th, 5th in offense, 8th in offense, 18th in defense, 15th in defense. Like This is a very even matchup in many ways. The health factor is a bit of an issue for Seattle, but I mean, we've been playing with dinks and scratches all year, so this should be an interesting game. Yeah. Um, Brian Bulaga is questionable, been questionable on the first injury report. I hope he's report, really questionable. But it's not actual questionable. I know. It's it's like fake questionable. Say, like I hate when teams do this and they put guys on the injury report that you know are going to play on Sunday. So you get your hopes up, like maybe it's really bad, but it's it's not. Yeah, you wish they had a little Matt Patricia in them where everyone was dying and they were like 100 percent healthy, good to go. Um, I think that the the line for this game is really fair for. I think that. The Packers are a deserved favorite. They get to play in the, in Lambo, the in the the frozen Lambo. But the Seahawks keep every game close, and I think in this case we actually have the better quarterback. And and at the end of the game, if it comes down to one drive, I like our guy over there, guys. Russ has definitely shown that if it comes down to one drive, Russ can definitely uh, make Aaron Rodgers okay. feel bad. Yes, if we win this game, <laughs> it will. Be- I can't wait for the uh, like. Uh, online NFL fandom to say that we cheated somehow. If we win this Calling game, it. it'll be because the defense really showed up more than they have all year, and because Russ aired it out. The defense, the defense has to show up for the this week. Otherwise, we won't, we can't boat race this team. We cannot boat race. What's this our team. secret weapon though? Uh, our secret weapon is Quandre Diggs has played against Quandre them Diggs. twice a year for his whole career up until now. And Quandre Diggs is a big, he made like I said this in this game, he changes the shape of our defense. We're going to look He literally will different. call out what the other team's about to do and put people in a spot like uh Clowney and KJ both talked about from the back end Quandre Diggs was going, "Hey, hey, hey, you need to adjust over here. This is going to happen." And he was just calling out what Philly was going to do and then they'd run the play and it was exactly what Diggs said. Yeah. Like having having him and Bobby on the same field, that's pretty good. 
Um, so uh, if the defense can hold up, this we can definitely win this game. It's not it's not a uh, out of reach, but we need the defense to show up. We need the defense to look good, and uh, and then hopefully the Vikings beat the 49ers and we get to bring the bring the NFC Championship. So game before back we home. do predictions, that the only something? question left is, do we put it into effect? What the jinx? I'm not. I'm not. We don't need it. I'm gonna pick the Seahawks. Yeah, I am uh, too. I legitimately think we're gonna win this game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, still really good, but trending in the wrong direction. I think the defense looks different enough with uh, Quandre Diggs that we can keep the game close. I expect us to win by like one. <laughs> you know, automatic comes out at the buzzer, beats them thirty-one thirty Seahawks. So there you go. That's my that's my pick for this week. Um, and you know, automatic Myers, baby. He's he's he, he missed a field goal in this game, but it wasn't his fault. No, that was Afedi's fault. Afedi just got destroyed on that play. I was like, <laughs> "How are you going to do my boy automatic like that and and make it look like he missed a field goal?" That's that's just rude. That's disrespectful. Who else but Afedi? Disrespectful to the legend, dude. You keep saying we're always one game closer to Afedi not being in a Seahawks uniform, and yet we keep getting one more game. <sighs> I'll take it. I'll yeah, take we're, it. We're one game closer. It's the price we have to pay. Um, it's it is the price we have to pay. But two for two on extra points, baby. You hit that, nailed that that big one. Uh, the long one. Eric, what do you got this one? Okay, so we need the defense to show up like you said. We need the offensive line to show up enough where Russ can throw the ball. I think that is being able to stop Aaron Jones, being able to have a solid defensive game that can stop all the facets of the Green Bay offense, uh, even though it's not it's not so storied now. It's it's just something that can it can bite you in many different ways. And we need to be able to have Russ stay safe just long enough uh aaron Rodgers has had a lot of success he's had a lot of non-success because he's he's had some interesting coaching in his life but throughout his career uh, you can look at the one quarterback that is kind of stymied him at every turn it's russell wilson uh, go through the history of seattle green bay since russell wilson has been the quarterback it's very interesting a lot of people say that peyton manning could never win the big game against tom brady and it's certainly not that big because it's not that many games. But look at the history. Aaron Rodgers hates this matchup. And I'm really looking forward to this game because of that. Like Kevin said, I really want to see... I just want to see Sour Puss Aaron Rodgers at the end of this game. I've got Seahawks. You like, you like sad Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, very much so. Seahawks. Seahawks 24. Green Bay Packers 23. Yeah, Nathan, I like the close game. All these games have been close. They've been taken from them at the very end by the Seahawks. Let's do it again, boys. 26-21 Seahawks. Oh, all right. Kevin got the, Kevin's got the big win. No, Kevin got the blowout. Kevin's got it. Kevin just, I got a 2019 blowout here with more than one point. Early weather forecast is it's going to be mid-20s, mid to low-20s with 30% chance of snow. But as we get closer to the game, we'll see how that goes. All right, you guys. Yeah, uh, something stupid is going to happen like a blocked extra point. Or something, and we're gonna end up having to score. Like we're gonna be, we're gonna have to do like four minutes left in the game, and Russ has to go down there and score one. All right, you uh, ready? Here we go. That. This is uh, there are many ways to support the CSNS podcast, but we want to buy a new soundboard. So the best way to do so is to head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest. Help us buy a new soundboard uh, for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month. We make an extra podcast every week. That's a little short, little short, fun one. Uh, it, you can get that. You also, I pinned the link to the group chat so you can get in the group chat. Uh, James, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Richard, Bob, Karen, Brett, Mike, Floctimus, Keith, Michelle, Brian, Frank, Nick, 
You guys are all helping us out. We appreciate it. In the uh, off season, we sometimes host a movie night on occasion. Oh yeah, we did that last year. That was fun. I, I will, I'll I'll put all the karate movies up uh, for you guys to watch with me. We'll do it. So um, the other ways to do so, you can head over to iTunes. Give us a review on iTunes. Tell us how much you uh, you you're enjoying or maybe even not enjoying what we're doing here. Uh, that's really up to you. You know, it's your life, man. It's a lot of effort you, though. If you're not doing it, do what you want. I don't know why you're listening, but we did we did uh we did drop from uh, from five point to four point nine. So I, I think we should just pack it up. I think that's it. I think we need to go once, up two full points now. <laughs> what once you once you go from five point to four point nine, I think there's uh that's it. Little did we know it was an out of ten scale the whole time. Yeah, but we're now three hundred and twenty two away from our uh, our goal. All right. Um, I said um a lot today. Can I can I talk about a few and just general NFL things that I think are funny? Funny. Yeah, of course. Uh, can you believe Booger McFarland suggested that on third down, the the Bills should run a draw so that they can spike it on fourth down and then kick the field goal? Mike Holmgren would love that play. What, what is he? What is he? Ta- is he on drugs? Like I at, the, at five some point, down I territory, think he's baby. Five down territory. He also just says coming so much. It's like I. Pick he draws penises word. on the board and clearly knows that he's drawing a penis. Yeah, every time I go on Twitter, it's like, look at Booger drew another uh, another penis, and I'm like, man, the man uh, knows what he's doing. He's a he's a, a master of the art. Speaking about a predictable dick, uh, the Dallas Cowboys hired uh, Mike McCarthy as their quarterback. Yeah, uh, as their coach, as their coach, head coach. Uh, I like how he's like, Kellen Moore, you can you can stay, man, but it's like I'll take play calling duties from you. Well, why would I stay there? I was like, Kellen Moore's like, peace. Yeah. I'm good. I, the rumor is that he's gonna be UW's uh, offensive coordinator. I would love that with all of my heart. Yeah, it's pretty that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, the one year that he would be there would be really good because there's no way that somebody wouldn't snatch him up right after that. Yeah, I I'm a hundred percent confident that But oh man, it would be a hell of a year. <laughs> all right. Uh yeah, uh let's see. Uh, Joe Judge, if you're saying who, welcome to the club. Uh, New England wide receiver coach Apparently appears to be that, getting the that's like a, Giants job. The story is that they, they've been grooming him to go get a head coaching job, like uh, kind of low key. So he's just the latest uh, uh, Manchurian candidate from Bill Belichick? Yeah. Well, it's working good for Vrabel, even though Vrabel was not, Vrabel's not actually in the coaching tree. He nope. just played for the, the Patriots for like 15 years. Yep. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, Matt Rule Dude, got that, hired out of uh, Baylor for, on like a seven-year deal. That Vrabel thing with uh, where he sucked three, two minutes off the clock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was just like chef's kiss. Next man. level. Just I loved it so much because he totally did a Belichick to Belichick, and oh man, it was the best, just the best. You know, you know, Bill had to frustratingly enjoy it. Yeah, he, he's well, like he was, he's like you know I, I hate being uh, I hate being bested, but to be bested by somebody who's just my, as big of a prick as me is using real nice. my own bullshit against me. Yeah, is he wise about it? Is Belichick like huh, Belichick got me, or Belichick is he did kicking that? Cats? Or, he did that earlier in the year to the oh, Jets. He, he's done that more than once. He does that's his that's his mo. Uh, I think publicly he would say we're we're on to the off season, we're on to the but off-season. privately he'd be like that was good. No, he like he what, just during loved, the game he loves he was, football so much. He was he yelling does. at the rest that it was bullshit. And that of they course, should he throw, was. should throw a flag. But then after the game, he, you know, he probably went to Vrabel and was like, "Hey, good job, son." Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, like, like you have learned, Padawan. You've learned from my from my uh, my bullshittery. So I was I was overall just I thought a fun a fun 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 
fun. And there wasn't a weekend. single crap game. No, the like game, there were some ugly games, but there was no crap game in the whole run. Like the worst game was our game, like yep. from a aesthetics standpoint. Other than that, this weekend I don't have. I have a feeling won't be quite as. Uh, There's going to be a blowout or two, I think. Yeah, there'll be at least one blowout. The Chiefs are going to kick the beat the brakes off the Texans. I, that's the that's the one I'm definitely <laughs> sure about. Is the the Bill O'Brien is. Oh, he he almost blew it last week against the freaking Bills. There's no way he's going into Arrowhead and beating Patrick Mahomes and right. the actually decent Chiefs defense. All right, we should get to Movie Club before right. I fall asleep. Movie Club, 1917, this week, so we're all going to talk about a war movie that we enjoy. I'm going to start. I like David O. Russell's Three Kings. Um, Three Kings stars George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Ice Cube. It's basically a heist movie that takes place during the Gulf War. Uh, so if that sounds like a good pitch to you, uh, go watch it. If you haven't seen it, it's really fun. Uh, it's really, uh, interesting and good. Uh, and it's got Mark Wahlberg, George Clooney and Ice Cube as the three stars. So I don't really know how you go wrong there. That's, that's it. I don't really want to give anything away. The cool, uh, background thing. Cause you know, everyone knows I like to do like a interesting background thing. The script writer, the, the script is a story by the 12 years a slave guy but david o russell just saw, all he saw was the the nugget high set in the gulf war and decided to make his own script based on that so he just gave him a story by credit and wouldn't let him help in any other way and did not use his script in any other way which i think is kind of awesome but also kind of an asshole move so in an asshole move back john ridley has blocked david o russell from ever making a book about this <laughs> based on the script of this movie so it's like they they both are petty and it's awesome uh, and I, I really like that. Um, also, um, David O. Russell, uh, he he's like a a t- difficult person to to work with. He uses a lot like on the fly director directorial styles, and Clooney uh, Clooney didn't like it. <laughs> so there's a lot of conflicts on this on this movie, and uh, it doesn't show up on the screen though. It's still really good. So yeah, there you go, Three Kings. Uh, Eric, go ahead and do yours. Um, I'm just going to throw a bunch out. Uh, one that always gets me, I say one of the three movies that always seems to make me cry, Saving Private Ryan. I think that game, that movie still stands up. It's a Spielberg movie. The people, the, some of the veterans who are still alive after World War II. It's a really well shot movie. Yeah, it's well shot. They said that it was uh, a little too close to home for them. Uh, I feel like that's a historically accurate compliment. Um, still really good. It kind of puts in place why we love Tom Hanks. Uh, we were looking at movies and what qualified as war movies, and uh, Casablanca is on there, and that is actually a really great movie. The more I thought about it, the more it does revolve around war, although the movie's not about war. I'll say the first half of Full Metal Jacket, if you want to look at a, a different side of war, it is entertaining for all the wrong ways. Um, I could say Inglorious Bastards for the one scene in the downstairs restaurant. So if there's one movie you're telling everyone to go see, which one is it? Oh, it's going to be Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Uh, these are my quick hitters, though. And then, of course, uh, maybe the the uh, the outside shot of uh, war movies. The King's Speech, gentlemen. It is a movie about World War One. Uh, a speech revolving around that. King, I enjoy that movie King quite speech, a bit. Is that the one by the director of Cats? <laughs> Got him. Greatest movie ever, Cats. I was, I was ready for that, Eric. 
Yeah. I don't don't mention King's Speech around me unless you want to hear about how the was made by the same guy who made Cats. Hey man, he didn't he didn't write that play. That's he, been around forever. That was like a passion project of his yeah, to make well, the movie Cats. Just do do more boring British movies. And then he made that better. movie Cats, Eric. Can we know. can we really focus on the fact that he made cats? If you love cats, go for I it. I don't man. love cats. I nobody loves cats. Nobody liked cats. Nobody wanted to see it. It looked terrible from Why the outside. Why would you make a movie about that? Don't. That was literally a pitch joke in, in a '90s comedy me. movie. It's like hard to make. It would be so hard to make a good cats movie, and they were like, "We got this." And let's throw all the money at it. All right, so I'm not going to do exactly what Eric did, but uh, my thought process here: the first thing I thought of when I was thinking about war movies was Dunkirk. Um, Dunkirk is a great uh, horror movie um, where the monstrous uh, Nazi army is uh, tracking down poor little boats. And that's just a really intense movie. It's a Christopher Nolan movie from 2017. Uh, It stars uh, um, nobody because you can't see most people's faces. Uh, But uh, especially Tom Hardy, who's really good at you not seeing his face ever. That's a really interesting movie. Then I was thinking The Hurt Locker is another one where that's a modern war. And it's a Catherine Bigelow movie. Uh, It stars Jeremy Renner, who I think gets way too much crap and is actually a good actor. But in the end, the movie I studied, I I, uh, settled on, is actually a documentary. And it's They Shall Not Grow Old. Um, They Shall Not Grow Old is a... World War One documentary. It was uh, kind of a passion project for Peter Jackson. And um, one cool thing about this movie, it was the uh, largest um, film restoration project ever for pre-1930s film. Um, we're talking hundreds, thousands of minutes of film restored. Uh, there's some really cool stuff. There's a little documentary that came after, if you watch kind of the special screening, uh, where he talks about what he had to do. They had to do things like, because these were all hand-reeled movies, um, different people shot at different frame rates, and to keep you from getting seasick, they had to, like, even out the frame rates but not make it look weird. Uh, But this is just a really cool one because it's all done with real footage, it was released to uh, commemorate the centennial for Armistice Day. Um, it's got a lot of power. It's real images of these people. It's um, it, it is the closest you can come to really seeing what happened in that time and that experience. And so, uh, if you're someone who's interested in history, if you're someone who likes documentaries, if you're somebody who um appreciates uh unique film projects uh they shall not grow old uh directed by peter jackson i think it's right. a really good one and i would feel like a real asshole if i didn't mention tropic thunder just so you guys know <laughs> that movie is because i wanted to think like what's a war comedy one. that movie is so funny about it, to put some tiger bomb on this it, jungle of nuts <laughs> everyone in that movie is really bringing it fuck your own face the, Nick Nick Nolte, Nick Brent Nolte Stiller, is Jack really Black, great. Robert Downey Jr., like everyone in this movie, Danny McBride. Never go full retard. The everyone is just crushing it in this movie. And Simple I, Jack. I Simple really, Jack, uh, so good. Appreciate it. <clears throat> so yeah, I that's my um, that's my Al Pacino, the Brandon T. Jackson <laughs> character. Um, 
I don't know. I just thought that that movie's really funny, and I really enjoy it. And uh, if I you get done being really sad at watching uh, Eric and my suggestion, you can watch uh, Nathan's suggestion. And Tropic Thunder better. and Three Kings, like a little more. Yeah, you, those are the bookends. So you start with Three Kings because um, it's it's lighter, but it kind of gets a little heavy. And then you watch these two, and then uh, then you cheer yourself up at the end of the night with Tropic Thunder. Yeah, maybe the last good Ben Stiller movie. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right, for Eric, for Kevin, we will uh, see you next week. Go Hawks!